Chris, how about the Blue Jays? Am I right? My Lord, Christian, it has been an unbelievable September here at the Skydome. How uh, how has it been watching it from uh, from the American side of the falls, my friend? Well, I don't really get a lot of the coverage, right? Mm. So it's not like I don't have Sportsnet, which is right. unfortunate. Um, but I was able to watch the Yankees series because in New York we get the Yes Network. Um, so it was very annoying to have the Yankee commentator side of things, <laughs> although it was kind of nice because they were just like, God, we suck. Yeah, shit uh, on their team, right? Right, <laughs> basically, where it's just like, oh, they like just hearing them really like dejectedly being like, and Guerrero hits another one. <laughs> but like I'm cheering. But then also, um, listeners, if you remember the group of pilots we met at Fenway Park, we taught we did that origin story that one point, big Blue Jays fan. We have a Facebook uh messenger chat group with those guys. Um, and that has been very active over the past few weeks, um, with a lot of ups and downs and uh, friends who of ours who are very uh, emotionally invested. So it's kind of funny to also be with that while they're watching the games, like freaking out while, you know, the Blue Jays are coming back to win 11-10 in the ninth inning uh, or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, it's been a crazy run. And considering we were concerned around the trade trade deadline when they weren't seeming particularly yeah, relevant absolutely. in the in the playoffs are now right in the thick of it and playing very, very well right now at the right time. I saw a remarkable stat that was like at the start of September, we had, I forget it, I'm going to get the number wrong, but it was like a 4% chance, a single digit uh, per, uh, percentage chance to make the playoffs. <clears throat> and that has now escalated to like 45% as of a couple of days ago. And since then, we've done nothing but win a couple of games, you know, so that's only going up. To put it into perspective, the last four games, we've scored 11 runs, 11 runs, 22 runs, which I'm going to say in my history as a Jays fan, you know, going back to the World Series, I'm sure they've approached that number, but I don't ever remember anything uh, remotely close to that. I think the highest scoring game I was ever at, they had 15 runs, which I mean, don't get me wrong. Incredible. That's but a lot of runs. Yeah. 22 runs. I mean, Christian, weren't you, you were telling me off air that that outscored like a dozen NFL teams from the opening weekend of the yeah, NFL. Yeah, the Blue Jays let a tweet out that it, um, that was like, NFL teams, we outscored this week. And there were a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was like a list of like a dozen that they, um, that they outscored. Um, but what I was going to say was we... Uh, we were talking just before we hit uh, hit the on switch here, just about how much has to go right in those mm. kind of situ- situations to make enough ground uh, back in the playoff race. And it has helped mm. that the Yankees have gone, I think it's like two and eight in their past 10 and have been like won three of their past 14 games while the Blue Jays have basically done the reverse, yeah. um, which has really helped them get back in. And I know in Western New York, it's a very... Uh, unpopular opinion, but uh, fuck the Yankees. And uh, so it is nice. And I hope that they can, uh, you know, that they can get into the playoffs and make some noise. And uh, I think they won again tonight. So I mean, yeah, just uh, sure keep did. it rolling, which is nice. Everything seems to be, I love it when a plan comes together. If I may. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think, I think there's definitely some Jays fans somewhere in Scarborough that has clearly sold their soul for this to happen. Because like you say, I mean, so many, so many things that you wouldn't have expected to happen to go right, eventually go right. I remember one of our friends uh, saying in in that group that you mentioned earlier today that, you know, what would you do if the Jays, uh, if the Jays made the playoffs? Uh, probably poop myself, you know, and I'm right there. I'm right there with him. I'd poop myself too. You know, the Blue Jays. So now what I'm picturing, but is that like, 
is he doing it from excitement or is he li- <laughs> yeah, like is that yeah. a dare that he now literally just has to stand there and then shit his pants? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, is this a situation where someone says, "Okay, in order for the Jays to win the World Series, you have to poop your pants in public." But if you do that, then that thing will happen. Like, it's a cause and effect situation. Yeah, I mean, I might consider it for a World Series. Yeah, sure, I got a shower. Oh, there's clean up after. There like, is absolutely no question. no question. If you told me that I walked into public and literally defecated in my own pants and that meant the blue jays would win the world series i'd be like where yeah sign me up sign me up you want you want two absolutely but i i am totally with you i'm not sure if he was saying i'll poop more as a the opposite the cause and effect that the cause is that they make the playoffs and the effect is that he will poop himself because that's also quite legitimate but um you know less rewarding let's say that yeah, not yeah, not as much um I was going to say bravado involved. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> yeah. bit more of a oh, as opposed to a nope, I'm going to go I'm going to go do this. So, well, my two favorite stats right now, um, you know, looking at the American League standing. So the Blue Jays are 9 and 1 in their last 10. The next best team um in the last 10 games, the next best record is 6 and 4. So no one is remotely close to being on the same type of hot streak. Um, as the Jays are. And as you rightly said, the, the that team, that 6-4 and four is the Royals right now, who are not competing with. Um, and the Mariners are, are just right there with them. So that, you know, that'll be a, a tough one. But the best stat that I'm looking at right now, Christian, right on the heels of Baltimore Orioles manager um, Brandon Hyde absolutely unprofessionally chirping Robbie Ray on the mound just to get a slight you know, edge on him in the game, uh, disrespectful, unprofessional. The Baltimore Orioles right now, so let's put it into perspective. Tampa Bay Rays, top of the AL East. Blue Jays are nine games back in second place. Red Sox tied with them, nine games back, third place. Yankees, so close behind, nine and a half games back, fourth place in the AL East. The Baltimore Orioles right now are 43.0 games back of the Tampa Bay Rays. It's been a long time since I've seen that kind of... uh, um, discordancy between two clubs. That number in the GB column. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, can we just talk about real quick, like how was he not fined, ejected, and suspended for yeah. that? It's, I mean, it's outrageous. Like that's, it's... And, and there's tape. Absolutely. It's and not it... like, it's not like Robbie Ray's like, oh, I heard him swear at me and the ump's like, well, okay, I can't really do anything about that. Like it's, it's clear as day on that microphone. Absolutely. You can catch every single F-bomb and thing that he says Absolutely. I thought it was so embarrassing and disrespectful. And and what what got me, like what I what I hated about it was that I think it was calculated. Like he knows that yeah, it was absolutely. a Cy Young candidate and he's just trying to get under his skin. But it means nothing to the Orioles. Like this game doesn't mean anything. So he's just literally being an asshole, the one individual guy. And what impressed me so much was that Robbie Ray um kept it kept it together you know like you could tell he got kind of rattled he walked off the mound i think he at one point said shut up but like at no point is he swearing back to him at no point is he like egging on this conversation but the manager is just like so infuriated that robbie ray has the audacity to like take a Be breath because he just got sworn at yeah i know right i mean it was it was so outrageous and the fact that there was no penalty for it it just basically says to me managers can do whatever the hell they want to get an extra leg up, even if it's, you know, unethical, disrespectful against the rules of the game, you know, because no one's going to penalize them. So they'll get that they'll get that leg up on the pitcher, move on to the next game, you know, and uh, not cool. But you know what? 
They show them with a 22 run blasting. Can't get better than that. I, uh, I'd probably be that mad if I was on the Orioles too, though. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Like there's gotta be a lot of anger involved with oh, being man. that bad. Um, yeah. Must be hard to go into work, right? Like your entire life as an athlete is about winning and you're just showing up knowing that, I mean, a game genuinely has zero consequences. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't do anything. It's just practice. You know, we talk about practice. It must be very difficult. But at the same time, and, and this is kind of the, I was going to say the dichotomy of sports. I feel like that was just a term I needed to say in the moment. I have actually no <laughs> idea. What, but, I mean, all those players are playing for their careers, right? Like, so regardless, even though as a team it means nothing in the standings, like right now I think, you know, uh, the Pirates and Nationals are playing. And, like, that game literally means nothing. Mm-hmm. But the stats do. Right. Yeah, it's true. Right. For their contracts. They're playing for their contracts. If some of them are becoming free agents, like is that, uh, you know, if they bat 275 versus 250, that might matter or, uh, you know, or or what have you. So, I mean, there's still, you know, something to be said. But yeah, like you said, if it's something where and I mean, the Orioles, I mean, they've been out of it for well, I mean, let's be real since opening day. But, um, you know, but for some time. Yeah, you've got to be think it would it would be hard to come into work, but I would like to say like, oh, they get to play baseball every day. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like, if your job was just like literal shit, even if it was what you love to do, I think it'd be tough to go into work. Not yeah. that I'd not that I'd yell f bombs at somebody because of it, but uh, yes, especially when you're the boss, right? You're like, I mean, he's what thirty years older than this guy. Yeah, I mean, probably. Just... And I mean, there's a difference between. I'm all for a little trash talk. Sure. I'm all for firing up my team. Sure, sure, but that sure. was Yeah. That was over the line. It honestly just felt like a dad at like a kid's baseball game. It's oh, I was gonna go hockey like, dad. Right? I was going yeah, like yeah. the over the top hockey dad. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. That's exact that's exactly what it was. It's the it's the patient it's kid. the parent that cares way too much that like the umpire has to like throw out because they're like yelling so much at their twelve year old like kid's baseball game. So yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, do me a favor. Make sure I never become that parent. <laughs> Man, Christian, you are incapable of being that parent. I've known you for but so I long. But I do know a lot about baseball enough that I could see myself just being like, ump, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. But that's how you would do it, right? Yeah, it's that's like you, would, you wouldn't be yelling at any one kid or like ever, ever, ever making a kid feel bad. You'd be nose to nose with the umpire arguing like the minutiae of like a foul tip call, you know? <laughs> a check swing. Yeah, in like, yeah. Yeah. Don't you give him that bulk? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Flipping a table on the side. Yeah, I could see that. But then you'd be supporting every single kid and telling them that they can accomplish their I would like to think so. so. I would yeah. like to think so. So, Well, what do you think, Christian? Shall we get this started? Let's load it up. Dickery Doc, it's podcast o'clock. Welcome to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris, he's Christian, and we're back for another week of chatting about all things fatherhood, sports, comedy, life, parenthood, everything 
in between. And we are excited to bring it to you. We'd like to, as always, extend some thanks to all the people who make this possible. Producer Ryan, thank you so much for everything that you do. Michael Spicer for that great music. Michael Spicer Music, check him out. And the vet cartoonist, Vishal Murthy, thank you for everything. And as always, perhaps most importantly of all, our wives and daughters, um, because without them, we wouldn't be doing this. So Christian, on the other side of the border, and me up here in Canada, let's do another week of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Christian, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I think we should also thank the listeners too, because I mean, realistically, they're the ones who... uh who uh, keep us going here. Otherwise, it's just uh, our wives letting us talk to each other via webcam. So <laughs> Yeah, which uh, is basically what we've done for many years before which, yeah, we decided It's basically nothing different yeah. than we decided to hit record prior to the conversation <laughs> starting. But, uh, okay, Chris, I got to ask you. When you were expecting your daughter, did you get asked a lot about what her name was going to be? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, there's no other way to say it. yes. Of course, we get asked a lot. We get asked by everybody, right? You get asked by parents, cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, everybody asks. Um, but I think it's, you know, I, the question of whether we would say or not, um, we didn't we didn't say at all until she was born. We definitely gave some suggestions of names that we might have been thinking about or tossing around. But I feel like it boxes you in a little bit. Like if we were to say what it was right away, we don't, you know, we don't want to be like, you know, well, now I have to name that because that's what we told them before. So yeah, basically we got asked a lot. So uh, the, the reason I'm asking is because we, so um, for those of you who haven't listened to a few episodes ago, spoiler alert, my wife and I are expecting twins. Uh, <laughs> And <laughs> does producer Ryan have an actual air horn? I hope no. You yeah, know what? I don't want him to. I want that one. I want that air horn. Ryan, if you can just clip that and then just always have it, that would be fantastic. I know he can do it. It's just whether he's going to stoop to our level of terrible humor or not. <laughs> but I, anyway, since the announcement of said twins um, and the announcement of them both being girls, and I should stop there and say, if we were only going to have one child, we were going to be, keep that a secret as well. We were going to be, we, that was going to be a surprise to us. We weren't going to know the gender, just like with our first. We did not know our daughter was going to be our daughter until she was born. Did you really? Uh, I actually didn't know that. Have we yeah, talked we about just, that before? Probably. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, we decided to keep it a surprise um, because, I mean, we don't, there aren't that many, like, good surprises left in life, you know? Sure. Um, I feel like everything that supply, pr- surprises you is like, oh. I guess I got to pay for that or, oh, you know, or, <laughs> that is so right. True. So, we, so true. we wanted the good surprise. Um, so we anyway, and we were going to do the same for our um, for our next kid. But then when it became twins, we were like, now nah, we should probably prepare a little bit, um, a little bit more. Um, so uh, once we found it was girls, everyone's like, oh, what are you going to name them? Mm-hmm. And like my response is always. I'll, I'll let you know when they get here. Mm-hmm. And they're all, and I've been met uh, my coworkers especially. I, I feel like yeah, I've what been, kind of response do you get to that? I get a, like a lot of like puzzled looks, like really, hmm. like and I'm and in my mind, I'm always of the opinion that I'm like, well, yeah, why isn't that a thing? Like I don't feel like people like say often what their name is going to be when their child they're expecting their child. They might know it, and they might, I mean, maybe share it with. Uh, parent or something like that um or something like that but i think i mean to me it seems like something you would keep until they are born 
you know, and you yeah, can like, and you me, can introduce them to the world. Let me say it this way, you know, w- whether we think it's the right thing to say the name or not, let's put that let's put that question to the side. Sure. The first question is just what's more common, right? If you have if you have a hundred um, couples, you know, expecting children, out of those hundred, how many of them say the name before they're born? Definitely the minority, right? Like definitely I would think so. a very small proportion of people are going around being like, well, if it's a daughter, this is what it is. They may be thinking that as a couple, you're pre- you know, you have that conversation, of course, a million times, but you don't have that conversation with other people, right? That's still an uncommon thing. So I feel that that surprise that you're getting from, you know, uh, people who shall re- remain nameless, I suppose, are um, <laughs> Rename, so... remain nameless. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. Are, um, I suppose, uh, I suppose, you know, I'm a little surprised at their reaction. Yeah. And it, it, so it takes me back to, um, to, uh, a quick story where, uh, long story short guys weekend, uh, at, um, uh, a friend of mine's, uh, farm in, uh, kind of Eastern Ontario. One of our friends was expecting a son by that point. And, I just kind of like generally asked him like, oh, do you have a name picked out? Not like a, um, what is the name, but do you have a name picked out? Um, and he kind of just started, you know, talking about it. They're like, yeah, we do have a name, but, you know, we're not telling anybody. And I was like, sure. oh, yeah, that makes that, sense. That's the conversation that I remember. Right. right? Yeah. It's people he, asking, do you have a name? And you say yes. And it, then you go, oh, great. Excellent. But you don't talk about what it is. Right. right? And then, but then he was talking about how, you know, if – if you tell people the name, everybody has an opinion, hmm. right? Yeah. So if you tell them the name before the child is born, they're like, oh, I knew this girl in high school named that and she was a <laughs> bitch. And you're just like, well, fuck me then. Like, what, like you know, like well, I guess back I'm – to the drawing board, I Right, suppose. like, I'm, you know, you're not just like, oh, cross that one off the list. Like, you're not – right? Like, at that point, you're not going to change it. I'm not going to go back to my wife and be like, honey, we cannot name our child this because so-and-so at work knew a girl in high school and she was a biatch. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know? But then, like, but then that's all you think about. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so, um, whereas – if you just, you know, child is born and you, you know, say like, oh, welcome to the world, this, like this name, that's it. Right. There's right. nothing new. There's nothing. There's no opinion about that. It's just cute baby. Keep going. Right. Absolutely. And so it got me thinking and I'm very curious. And so quick, um, uh, shameless self-promotion here. Reach out to the show and let us know your opinions. Dad joke yeah. podcast at gmail.com. Dad joke loading podcast, Instagram at loading dad on Twitter. I want to know if I, I feel like in the past, in the recent couple of weeks, I feel like I've been in the minority in on this side of the, like, I'm not going to tell you what my twins are going to be named prior to their birth. And I've been met with some kind of like puzzled looks like, Oh, like you're not going to share that. And I'm like, no, no, yeah. I am not. It actually, it actually surprises me a little bit because I also think it's somewhat presumptuous to assume that you've 100% decided the names, no question. Also fair. You know? Like a lot of people, you know, because you were saying like the there's only a few surprises left in life, you know, and you want to, you know, wait to see if it's a boy or a girl and have that beautiful surprise. Um, in some respects, the name is kind of the same way. Like my wife and I had it narrowed down to two girls' names and we were like, well, let's wait until she's born, you know, and then we'll decide. Because at that point, like it's 
it, it's it's hard to kind of put put words onto it, but if you're choosing the name and like a hundred percent sticking with it, and there's no question, and you're like publicizing the name before the kid exists, it's like then the name isn't tied to the kid. Like the name is not the human right. being and who you are. But when they're born and they're presented to the world, and they, you say this is my daughter and you know, my daughter's name, they, you know, that name is not the person you knew in high school. The, the name is not, you know, just a name on a piece of paper. It's that human being and how right. it suits that human being, you know? So I, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. And it surprises me um, the level of aggression. Now here's, here's the money question though. So you get that from coworkers and you know, your answer is, um, what, you know, last name beeswax, first name. I was literally about to say last name business, first name Nanya. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, But uh, what about your parents? Are they in the same boat or not? No, they're actually, they were like, oh, do you have names picked out? And we're like, yep. And they're like, oh, that's great. That was it. That's good. That's that's a great, that's your parents are great. uh, That they, They should teach parenthood. That's it. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, no, they were, um, yeah, no, they were very much in the, like, okay, sounds good. Like, that's about it. And, uh, and then, yeah, no, from a family perspective, it's been fine. Uh, you know, and that type of thing. Um, I was able to, to see some family recently and, uh, same thing. They're all very excited. They're like, oh, do you have names picked out? And we're like, oh yeah. And they're just like, oh, that's great. And then like, that was it. So it's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, I feel like an acceptable level is like, oh, do you have names picked out? And then it's just like, yes, we do. And then maybe like, a, oh, are you keeping those, you know, like uh, whatever? And then it's just like, yep. And it's like, okay, cool. Or like, you know, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. But it, um, now, now <clears throat> excuse me. Um, do you remember the story of you and your wife picking your daughter's name? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, because so, I don't know that I've ever heard this. Um, okay, so we 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 had picked out both a series of boys and girls names. So before my wife was expecting, you know, like we had. Um, so my my wife and I have been together. Our first date was nine and a half years ago. We got married about two years ago, um, and I'd say maybe three years ago is when we you know we were like, okay, we live together. We've been you know we've been together a long time. We both want kids. We want you know we're engaged. So we're going to have that conversation about kids' names. So for boys' names, um, (laughs) for boys' names, um, I had a copy of the Hockey News yearbook sitting on the the coffee table. And we happened to just, you know, open it up and we were flipping through the rosters of NHL teams. We were like, huh. I can't I imagine know. your wife tolerating this very well. I mean, she's a lot. No, she was a hundred percent into it, man. 100%. Really? I mean, I was going to say she's a wonderful human, and so she would have. But I just, I could just see like my wife would be like rolling her eyes as I'm going through the baseball <laughs> almanac, like, "Ooh, that's a good one." But I know, I know. I think, I mean, you know, the best part was, of course, you uh, you come across some of the like the Western hockey names that don't have any syllables in them and stuff. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or you pick like an awesome Finnish name or something. Yeah. Capo. We're going with Capo. Yeah. Scandinavians so uh, know how to do it, man. They know, I know how. I know. So basically, we just like cycled through the rosters and we we're like, huh, I like that name. Oh, I really like that. Oh, I don't like that name. You know, and, and that was a it was a, a fun little uh, exercise, but we never actually did a baby names book. But 
for our daughter. Totally different situation. Um, this is going to be tough without really giving away her name, but she, um, it's, it's a name that has a, it's science, it's a scientific name, weirdly. Um, and it's also in Disney. I think that's probably enough. Someone's going to guess it based on that information alone. But basically we went to the Toronto Zoo and we got a little stuffed giraffe together. And that stuffed giraffe had, was given a girl's name basically like you know it had a girl's name on the tag and we saw it do you mean like kind of name. like a beanie baby like when you open kind it up of, yeah, like it just yeah, has a name exactly on the like name that. tag okay gotcha exactly like this giraffe is named blank blank and um we looked at each other and we both kind of did that sheepish like oh i really like that name and then you don't know how the other person's gonna respond and she looked at me and was like I really like that name too. And then it's sold, right? Because at that point, the moment that you both acknowledge that you really like it, like you're and both like just and in both the back genuinely of had the reaction individually. Yes. Prior to then looking at each other, realizing the other one had that same reaction. That's cool. No, I don't exactly. think I, I didn't know that story. That's awesome. Exactly. And the other name um, that we have that that is not the name of our current daughter, but like sort of our, you know other name that we were thinking of that we really like is actually the name of one of my cats. Um, so I don't know if I, I want to tell that, love that to my daughter so much. but it's a cat that I love, you know, till the ends of the earth. And she is absolutely wonderful and beautiful. And it's a name that my wife liked a lot and she brought up and I was like, Oh, I like that name too. In fact, I like it so much that my cat is named it. And we just thought, yeah, let's roll with it. You know? So, uh, yeah, that's, that, that is how we came across our names a little bit atypical, but wouldn't trade it for the world. How about you? Um, so we did not really talk about kids' names until we got married, at least not in any serious mem like memory that I can recall. Um, but my wife will be the first to say that she has the better memory of us for those types of things. But um, we actually started seriously talking about it on our honeymoon. Hmm. And... I don't remember who started the conversation. Um, I'll assume it was my wife because that makes sense. Um, but we were um, at a particular uh, resort um, and it had kind of a lazy river um, pool that kind of, you know, went along. We had a, you know, a swim up room kind of thing that went on to the lake. So anyway, so just one afternoon we were floating in the in the lazy river and we just kind of got to shooting the shit about it. And, you know, we had a couple of family names, you know, that were like, oh, if I were to have a son, you know, I would want it at least one of the names to be blank after my grandfather or, you know, this, right. you know, those types of things. Um, but then we just kind of got into like names that we like in general. And again, I don't remember who brought it up specifically. Again, I'll give my wife credit because I feel like that's just the smart thing to do as a husband. Um and she just said, you know what? I really like blank. And then I had the same reaction where like I hadn't considered the name before. But then when, when she said it, I was just like, oh, I really like that. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. and then I think we – it's not like we like decided right then and there. But then when we found out that we were expecting, we quickly went back to that name because we were both like, remember when we – like, you know, and then we rehashed the story because I think between honeymoon and expecting was probably, oh, I don't know, year or so between six months and a year. So it wasn't like a, a, a right away thing, but uh, um, 
But then I remember like I was going back to that. As you were telling that story, I thought for a brief moment, and that is how we gave birth to our beautiful baby Punta Cana. <laughs> we 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 named our we named our daughter after the best um, you know best bartender that we had <laughs> at the yeah. Maya Riviera Resort, Alberto. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was so great on our honeymoon, we told him we'd name our firstborn after him. <laughs> he made a mean, like he made, I, can't, I don't even know, the guy who manned the swim up bar. Yeah, we named him, you know, because he was so, so important to us in our lives and in our marriage. So um, I have to say, objectively, I know this is going to be very difficult for our listeners to really appreciate um, since we're not actually saying the names. But I have to say, Christian, I have always admired uh, the choice of name that that you and your wife. Oh well, thank uh, you very much. And and I think you have something to live up to for the next two because uh, you know yeah. you set the bar pretty high. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be difficult. Um, but that being said, we this time around, I think it was easier actually uh, to come up. Maybe we just already had some names, maybe subconsciously from the first time around. Do you know what I mean? Right. That we were like. Uh, but, um, what was the process like for this time around for, for twins? You know, did you, did you crack open a baby book? Uh, where is it, was it just names that you had rattling around your dome already? Um, you know, how, how this time around did those names come about? I think it was, we already had names rattling around and I think it was a lot of it was subconsciously remembering that lazy river conversation. Cause I know mm, we threw yeah, out yeah. more than one girl's name. Um, now the funny part was when we knew we were having twins, we had to come up with two of each, right? Yeah, right. Because at the time, at the time we, we were fairly confident we wanted to know the gender, but there was obviously could have been two boys, two girls, one of each. So we had two of each. Um, and then we were like, well, if it's one of each, do we combine like, you know, because you need first and middle. So you technically have four names. So do you like combined if there's one of each or like, do you pick your two names, which might be four different names, and then you just pick one of the two? It was kind of like a fun little puzzle uh, until we found out it was two girls. And then we're like, well, there are two names. We got them as opposed to like the one of each or whatever. Um, so I've always that... wondered how those hyphenated first names came about, you know, like Carrie Lynn or John Joe or things like that. It's clearly just indecisive people or they, they were, you know, thinking they were going to have two girls, you know, and instead they had one girl and one boy. So they just got to put them together in one name. Yep. And, and then just melting potted it together. And then, yeah, yeah just because exactly. they were like, well, if a little is good, more must be better. So just, <laughs> and just go from there. So, um, yeah, it was a really interesting process because, and then, um, you know, there were a couple of, of boys' names that I really liked, um, which I, you know, won't share just in case. You never know. But Ah, um, see, this is a tough one because you're not even having boys. So these are just names now, right? right. Like at this point, these are just names that you like, but you got to keep them in the back pocket in case, you know, number four comes along. Right? Yeah, you never know, right? Like just, you know, on the off chance that, because uh, then I know there's going to be a listener that's like, I knew this guy in high school and <laughs> he was an asshole and his name was that too. And then I'm just going to be like, God, God damn it. <laughs> for the but, rest uh, of your life. For the, you know, yeah, someone's going to just like email the show and just be like, I had a boyfriend who was named that and he was a dick. And I'm just going to be like, all right. thanks for that thanks listener or whatever so um so when you were going for twins names if i may ask um 
do you is there a theme involved at all? Like, is there a are you looking for connection between the names? Uh, no. At least I don't. No, I don't think so. Like, okay. there, there's no like link or anything like that um, necessarily. Um, you know, there's no like you know rhyme or alliteration yeah. or any anything like that. But um, I think alliteration is a fairly popular one. I think you know, like obviously you don't hear a lot of salt and peppers, but you know you might have like uh, Michael and Matthew, you know, or something right. like that. Yeah, names that kind of flow together potentially, you know, like if you're saying them, oh, here's so and you know, here's yeah, A yeah, and yeah. B, like you know, and that type of thing. But uh, but you know what? That gives me an idea. I think we should just decide what the twins are going to be named right now. Oh, I'm into this. Absolutely. Okay. Sign me so, up. Curveball, we're going to do a twins version of a recurring segment that we do most commonly, and this is called Countdown. All right, Chris, so I have 10, the top 10 twins names that I think we should name the twins and we're going to decide what the twins are going to be called right here hmm. on the show. Okay. What do you say? And these are pairs. Are they, okay, okay. These are pairs. Yeah. yeah. These are pairs. Okay. And you're going to notice a theme, uh, but I will give you um, the name and then you can give me your thoughts on the name real quick. Okay. So uh, number 10 for what we might name the twins, chicken and waffles. <laughs> Not bad for number 10, right? Yeah, I mean, that's we're, we're coming in hot. On this yeah, one. we're coming in hot. Um, yeah, so I like they, waffles. By the way, just like I realize that we're talking about twins, but in, in non-joking terms, these would be incredible for like puppies. You know, this is chicken and this is waffles. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. Um, there's a, a yellow lab that comes to our clinic all the time and her name is Waffles. And oh, she is, yeah. She's as dumb as a yellow lab named Waffles you would expect. <laughs> so, um, uh, all right, number nine, uh, classic spaghetti and meatballs. Right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. You yeah. know, especially if you have Italian heritage, you know, yes. you got spaghetti in there. Absolutely, yep. it's perfect. Uh, number eight, um, a classic food truck food, uh, fish and chips. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I think uh, plenty of tartar you know. sauce in the fridge at all times. <laughs> so uh, number seven, this might be a little uh, a bit more off the beaten path, but uh, hubba and bubba, hubba and bubba. That's perfect. See that that is a little bit unironic. Like I could see that one actually being pulled off somewhere. That's I feel like, like that'd be more of a Matthew boys thing. thing. Hubba totally, and bubba because bubba's a real name. Bubba's right? a real bubba's name. like yeah. for sure a real name. Yeah, hubba. You know, it's not a stretch. It's definitely not a stretch. I feel like they'd have to be a WWE, like, tag team wrestling combo at that point, though, right? Yeah, Um, absolutely. They get get you all sticky in their gum bubble. Yeah, I got nothing. (laughs) We'll work on the intro. Uh, Number six, mac and cheese. I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah, again, that's a classic one. So, uh, this one... <laughs> Twins name or terrible eighties nineties rap duo? We should do that one next. <laughs> um, uh, if I had twin boys, uh, my first vote was for number five, which is Mike and Ike. Nice again, right? classic one because two real first names. Yeah, right. that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. You like Mike and Ikes? You know, yep. Uh, uh, number four, if they were born in the UK, uh, I would have voted for Bangers and Mash. 
<laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, yeah. Poor bangers, though. I mean, <laughs> poor kid. <laughs> okay, I, okay. You say that, but I think number three might be worse uh, because this is on a list clearly that I found on the internet. Uh, but number three, the twins of Fluffer and Nutter. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. (laughs) (laughs) As a duo, Fluffer and Nutter. Um, Just as a single kid, I think Nutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably worse. Probably Um, worse. Yeah, that kid gets picked on. It's funny. So when I was growing up, um, you know how every family – I don't know if this – maybe this should be an entire episode on its own. But every family has a different word for like a fart, I think. You know, um, oh, I, my my parents routinely used fluff as a fart. Then. Fluff, yeah. yeah. So we were we were a fluffer family growing yeah. up. My wife was a toot family. So when I hear fluffer nutter, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> that's a rough one. <laughs> that's a rough one. Yeah. Um, all right, number two, uh, uh, tater and tots. Okay, I yeah. like that. I mean, I kind of you know tater as like kind of a joking boy's name. Yeah, don't mind it. Don't mind it. Yeah. Uh, and then the number one, uh, which is my clubhouse leader, uh, shrimp and grits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Chris, if you had to pick a favorite of those, what would you name uh, my twins? And like honestly, as a like a. As a nickname type situation, shrimp and grits would be honestly right up there. Yeah. You know, like if you if one of them was just like, hey, shrimp, you know, hey, grits, how you doing? Like that, 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 that would be an absolutely great nickname combo. Um, I think the most legitimate one gets my award for most legitimate is Mike and Ike. Like that, that's a real twins combo, you know, hundred yeah. um, percent. But if I'm just going like an all around winner, winner, chicken dinner, it's fluffer nutter. <laughs> that's incredible yeah okay well for the sake of the sake of the fact that we can't uh actually name them fluffer and nutter um from here on i think i'm just going to refer to my twins as shrimp and grits from now on and and my wife will just have to deal with it so uh so it's been decided here um that my twin girls uh coming this fall will be named uh shrimp and grits so you heard it here first breaking news um but that'll take it uh into a break here on the dad joke loading podcast um again hit us up with the show funniest twin combo names we'd love to hear from you um and we'll definitely keep those going as uh as we get closer to their uh impending arrival um but yeah hit us up dad joke loading podcast at gmail.com uh dad joke loading podcast on instagram at loading dad on twitter uh but we'll take a break here and we'll be right back in just a few minutes that's chris i'm christian we'll be right back Hey, Michael Spicer here. I'm a sound designer and a composer. Are you a D&D podcaster? Well, we got swords! Ooh, ouch. Spells. And oh boy, the creatures. Hi, I'm Steve and I'm a goblin. Need your voice altered? Just tell me what you want to sound Sound like! like. Robot? Robot? Tiny? Tiny? Demon? Demon? If you need sounds or music for your project, go to michaelspicermusic.com! Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. He's Christian. I'm Chris. Christian, shrimp and grits. Funny story. 
Um, believe it or not, my cousin-in-law, so like my the husband of my first cousin, uh, born and raised South Carolina, um, married a Canadian girl, my cousin, and uh, and is in the process, the gradual slow process of moving uh, across the border. And I asked him once, you know, what what's your favorite down-home food? You know, what do you miss the most growing up? Um, and he said the single thing that um, he grew up with in the coastal Carolinas that you can't really get good quality anywhere else is shrimp and grits. He says what makes it is the cheese. You got to get those grits nice and cheesy and then have the shrimp be kind of like a Cajun kind of flavoring. So then you got Cajun shrimp and cheesy grits. And, I, you know, as he's describing it, like I'm my mouth is watering and I've never tried it. The only time oh, really? I've had grits is you, me and our mutual friend who I know is probably listening right now, um, ate grits, shoveled them down at that Denny's in the middle of Pennsylvania that one hungover morning. Um, if you listen oh, back yeah. to our origin story, when we, uh, um, you know, when we stayed uh, on the floor of that CD motel, we got grits the next morning. Not something you really get up here in, uh, in Canada, the grits, let alone the shrimp and grits. I've had I've had it several times, um, all on trips down south. So I remember a specific trip with Habitat for Humanity down to Mississippi, um, and the place we were staying made some excellent shrimp and grits. And obviously, we went to breakfast joints in and around that area, um, and then we uh, toddled over to Louisiana for a few days as well. And so, obviously, got to have some gumbo and some you know grits uh, when you're in Louisiana. So I've had it a few times, but it's been a while. Um, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do remember that hungover morning in Denny's. Oof. Um, that was, uh, but anyway, that's a, yeah, go back and listen. I think that might've been our very first episode if I don't, yeah, think, yeah, right. Right. There, right? Yeah. That was, yeah. uh, meeting the state trooper at two 30 in the morning and all that good stuff. So anyway, it was a good night. Well, speaking of cultural heritage, um, there is a, a big thing happening this week in Canada, Christian, it is time to vote. So let's consider this episode, for all you listeners at home, an audio I voted sticker. Just take this episode of the podcast and stick it right to your lapel and and, uh, um, parade it around all day to say that you voted because it is election time in Canada. So I know that we have a a fair number of American listeners to the show, Christian. So I thought I would just give a really, really brief rundown of what what a mythical Canadian election is and how it is massively different. From Massively American different. Election. So what we are experiencing right now is called a snap election. So um, a snap election. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to have to back up a little bit here. OK, so unlike the United States, we have more than two parties. Broadly speaking, we have six parties in Canada, three of them fairly major parties, liberals, conservatives, NDP, three of them a little bit more minor in their own ways. Not to say that they're, you know, I'm not trying to knock them by any stretch, but just less uh, seat winning. And that's the Bloc Québécois, the Green Party, and the fairly new uh, People's Party. So those six parties together essentially mean that you get quite a lot of vote splitting, which means that when the winning party, typically the Liberals or Conservatives, win, they often win with a minority. I was about to use the word typical. It's been typical in our lifetime that they win with a minority, but not necessarily the long-standing history of Canada. What that means is that when uh, when an election happens, that government has a minority government, when they feel the, the sort of the public um, sentiment is swaying in their favor or the polls are in their favor, they may call for a new election with the hopes to then get a majority that second time out. And that's called a snap election. So Christian, 
An American election is absolutely stunningly glorious in all of its firework display. It's essentially a year and a half of bombast um, on which billions of dollars are spent. You say glorious. Yeah, kind of in like <laughs> like a like a bombs bursting in air type of glory, <laughs> you know. I I see it more as a Netflix comedy special. <laughs> yeah. Um mixed with just a lot of embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. It's it's sort of like a series of Big Brother but like interspersed with YouTube clips of people just lighting things on fire, I think. I think that's fairly accurate. Yeah, yeah. The only thing so, it's missing is like the office, like talking heads, like off to the side. Yeah, yeah. Um, but otherwise, that would yeah, be amazing. You've pretty Can much you got it nailed. Obama, like in his second uh, uh, running running for office in his second term, you know, just just pinching his eyes, going, ah, I can't, I can't do the talking head today. <laughs> you know. Um, so elections in Canada are extremely different, um, and they are much more. Well, I, I use this in its most positive term possible, but boring, right? In a good way, like the good kind of boring, like what you want. Quite honestly, if it weren't for a few signs on people's lawns, you could kind of get by without knowing there's an election. Like if you weren't really engaging with the news and stuff, you really wouldn't know. So the election was called a month ago and the election is now. So I was originally going to vote next Monday on, on election day. Um, and we were going to talk about it at our next podcast. But I actually went to the advance polls today just because I have a busy work day next uh, on election day. So I thought I'd thought I'd, you know, beat the lines and do it today. Unfortunately, boy, was I wrong because we waited for an hour in that in that bad boy, the longest I've ever had to wait to vote. But it was totally worth it, you know, because Christian voting is an extremely important thing. And I don't think that that's something that most of our listeners would disagree with, you know, voting itself is important. But when I say important, I don't just mean it's a good thing to do. You know, both of my grandparents lived in an occupied country where they couldn't vote. Both of my wife's grandparents lived in an occupied country where they couldn't vote. You and I both have ancestors that fought for our grandparents' right to have the ability to vote. And it's something that absolutely growing up in our society, you can take for granted. You know, in the 20, uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11, of course, we've unfortunately seen the fall of um, Afghanistan, <clears throat> and we see what's happening to women's rights at this time. And I, as the dad of a daughter, you are the dad of a daughter, you're about to be the dad of three daughters, seeing the importance Oof. of voting, particularly, for, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, just as terrifying, right? Um, you know, seeing, emphasizing to them the importance of that of that vote, not just a right, but arguably a responsibility as well. Um, something that absolutely, uh, as a part of our functioning democracy, a fair um, uh, election is one of the most important things you can possibly have. And even when I hate every single person on that ballot, I am absolutely thrilled to be able to vote. And it just feels fantastic. So I think it's a bit of column A, a bit of column B when it comes to rights uh, and responsibilities. But one of the other really important things, Christian, that I've noticed is that voter turnout as a percentage of electors has decreased year on year. So the five lowest percentages of eligible elector turnouts happened in the history of Canada. These were the five years, 2000, 2004, 2008, 2011, 2015. 
So this is a problem right now. You know, this is not a problem for the future. This is a problem that people have are not voting now. Some might call it apathy. Um, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into it, but it is really important. So today, my wife and I, you know, not really intending to do so. This is just the necessity of when you have a baby and you got to bring them anywhere you go. We brought her to the polls. You know, we just carried her into the booth and voted. Um, and it got me thinking about how do you emphasize to your child, um, particularly to your daughter, the importance of the vote. And it got me thinking about my childhood and, uh, you know, and what that was like growing up. So Christian, I'm going to ask you a few questions about this. Um, just a few basic ones to start with. Sure. When, how old were you when you first voted, when you cast your first vote? Um, I, I guess I can't remember specifically, but like the first election that I was able to vote in as an age eligible voter, um, I voted in and have voted ever since. So I would just like to quickly say that as a Canadian citizen, even though I live in the United States, I already mailed in my ballot for this upcoming election Beautiful. to Canada to make sure that my vote is counted, um, even though I am not currently residing in Canada at this particular time. So good for um, you. I do take, take Christian's lead. I do take voting very seriously. Um, I currently am not eligible to vote in the United States um, because I am not a citizen, um, although I am a permanent resident. Um, until I become a citizen, I do not um, have the right to vote. Um, however, in the previous elections in uh, my time residing in the United States, I was very active in um, signing people up to vote and uh, getting people in my immediate areas um, informed, um, because as somebody who can't vote to see somebody sitting there being like, no, nah, I'm not going to vote. That pissed me off. Um, right. and I, right. I had a lot of candid conversations with people that I was just like, you like what privilege you have to just sit there and just be like, no, nah, I don't want to vote. Like, yeah. I'm just be like, you clearly have no idea what it's like when you are just yeah. told what to do and don't have a choice. It is, it is taking it for granted a hundred percent because you, um, you know, you could argue that it's a sign of a healthy country that, you know, if you have two leaders or in Canada's case, six leaders to pick from and you think, well, you know, there are, none of them are going to change my life that much. You know, you, I, I can see the, how that communicates that you're living in a fairly good society at the time. But what it's also communicating is that you have no idea what it means to live in a society where it's not like that, you know, um, and that not many generations far removed from us were, were people living like where, where our ancestors living that way, you know? Right. Um, and, and well, I would argue that, that it, that I would argue that it means it's not necessarily a function of a good society. I think it's a function of where you stand in that society that mm. like, regardless yeah, well of who said. gets voted, well it's probably not going to change my life that much, but that means you're probably pretty well off to begin with. Um, mm. And uh, without getting too, uh, too political on it necessarily. Maybe you belong to a particular demographic um, mm. that regardless of who is voted into power has relatively little effect, whether that's socioeconomic or otherwise. Yeah, um, well said, Christian. So well said. I'll leave it at that. Well, let, 
Let me ask you a question then. So I'm genuinely quite curious about this. Um, when you vote in Canada, so when you send in your mail-in uh, vote, what riding are you voting in and how do you choose? Like how does that, how does that work if your permanent residence is Buffalo? Uh, well, as a Canadian citizen, so I still have a Canadian address to which my passport is tied. Um, ah, and right, so that is and my that's your parents' address, I correct? Guess, probably, yeah, right. Yeah, um, and so sense. and so that is my Canadian residence. Um, and so that is where my electoral center is based. Is basically Sweet. also where my parents live. Yeah, rad. That is pretty cool. Okay, that makes sense. So now talking about voting in America, um, you know, I think you and I have kind of broached the topic a little bit about. I think I've brought up citizenship, and and even though I. I suspect, and Christian, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I when, I, when I see you and when I talk to you, I feel that you are a Canadian and you'll always be a Canadian. 100%. And you have a great respect for the United States, I think as we both do, and we see them very much as our kinfolk, you know, having lived there and, and very culturally similar, no question. Um, but, you know, your wife is American. Your daughter is probably more American than Canadian, at least at this point in time. Um, do you, you know, so you've talked about maybe you would get citizenship because of course it, it, it's extremely beneficial just to have the citizenship if you're living in America, you know, lifelong, of course, do you hope to vote in America someday? Uh, I do. Um, and so I think it's just a matter of, uh, waiting out the time in order to obtain said citizenship. Now I will say that if obtaining my American citizenship, I'll, um, means that I have to give up any type of Canadian citizenship rights, then I will absolutely not do it. Um, right. Because I will maintain my Canadian citizenship through and through it, even if that means I never become an American citizen and never vote in an American election. Maintaining my Canadian citizenship is far more important to me. Um, and so that is... Now, that being said, I don't think that will happen. Um, as far as I'm aware from people who are um, citizenship, citizens of both countries, um, they have been able to maintain both passports um, and just two, go back and forth. Um, know, two closest allies in the world, you know, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you already have Nexus, right? You've already gone through yeah. all that security clearance, like Hamilton to Buffalo, even it's like, you could honestly like kick a football, you know, from one to the other almost. Yeah. Like it's, it's basically, um, it's the same region, which is what makes it all so funny. Um, but I hear what you're saying about not, you wouldn't give up your Canadianness for Americanness, but knowing that for a lot of us, you can have a foot on both sides. You know, you can really genuinely respect both sides. Um, and that doesn't, doesn't necessarily make you un-American if you were to get that citizenship. So, you know, I guess my next question would be, I think you've probably answered it by saying that you went around signing people up for the vote, which is how important is encouraging voting in your daughter? And I'm going to guess pretty damn important. So let me back up then, Christian, and let me look at it from the flip side. Um, what do you remember when you were growing up? in terms of your parents talking to you about politics, talking to you about voting? Were you a political family? And did you talk about politics around the dinner table? Um, if I may even ask this, do you see eye to eye politically with your parents? And did they encourage you to vote uh, when you were younger? Um, so I grew up as the son of two public school teachers. And so at when I was growing up, what I vividly remember on two separate occasions were actually both of my parents on strike. 
right um as a result of the teachers federation um negotiating with the government now this was on a provincial level so education right. in canada based on a provincial level. so that was against the ontario government specifically um but because of of cuts the government was trying to make to um education um and what they were trying to do with the education system um a lot of teachers in Ontario were not going to have any of that. And so they were striking as a result. And so I was actually, I remember like, obviously then not in school because the teachers were on strike, but then my parents were out on the picket lines striking. Um, and so I would go with them. Um, and um, so I remember being on the picket lines with my parents. Um, and I think, so that's where a lot of it stemmed for us. Um, because obviously it's as a kid, um, no, I mean, I was, I say I was a kid, I was maybe 12. Um, so it wasn't like I was super young, um, but old enough that it was obviously like, okay, so this isn't normal. Like, you know, all my teachers just decided not to go to work and my parents aren't going to work. And why is this happening? Um, and that type of thing. So that's where a lot of those conversations started and went from there. So then obviously it was a conversation about, okay, what is the government doing? What is the role of government in what we are talking about, this being the teacher strike situation. And then it kind of stemmed from there. Um, so I, while I don't necessarily vividly remember a topic specifically about uh, politics or voting per se, a lot of our kind of, you know, you have a say and, and, and you're allowed to fight for what you believe in kind of scenarios um, really stemmed from that. Um, and then kind of went from there. My parents and I are fairly eye to eye on most, um, I guess, political spectrums, if you can call it that. Um, mm -hmm. I think my dad, not in a, in a voting way, but maybe in a social way, is a little more conservative than my mom. Um, mm -hmm. So when I say that, I, I, I have, a, in my own brain, I have what is deemed a social conservative and a political conservative are two different things um, in the way that you vote versus just the way that you kind of just are as a personality. My dad's a little more reserved conservative in that way. Um, whereas my mom uh, is, is a, lo a lot more uh, boisterous and progressive, I suppose. Um, but, um, but no, we've all generally voted fairly similarly, um, but also maintained, I think, a healthy respect for each other's vote because we don't all vote the same. Um, and depending on the election and depending who's been there, we voted differently um, and just kind of left it as, a, OK, we don't agree, but it's your vote and you do what uh, and you do what you will with it. Mm. Um, so and I think it's helpful that in Canada, <clears throat> at least there's quite a lot less polarization between the parties. I mean, there's differences, no question. Um, but like I think about my stepdad, who was both a member of the Liberal Party and then an ardent conservative voter at different points you know, within a 10 year span, almost, yep. you know, um, my dad, my mom have all voted like across the political spectrum. I haven't voted across the political spectrum, but I voted for different parties and different elections. You know, there's definitely um, it's I, I get the impression and you correct me if I'm wrong, that in the United States, there is much more. It's a part of your social identity that yeah. I am a Democrat or I am a Republican and that's who I am, you know, no matter what. I feel like there's a lot of people who looked at Donald Trump as an individual with great distaste, but voted for him anyway, because of their identity, because they couldn't vote Democrat as, as a yep. Republican. And so I think as a family, 
I've always thought it's important, as you've rightly said, to have to respect those differences, you know, to say that I can look at someone who is slightly different from me politically, as long as we believe in a lot of the sort of fundamental basic things, we can argue around the fringes um, uh, about things and and still respect each other. So let me ask you then, Christian. Here's here's a difficult one for you. Um, you know, you're a smart guy and you're well read, and in a and I mean this in a good way. You're opinionated, you know, just like I am. Right? Checks you know, in the you, mail. You've 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 got your perspective. Um, does what what would you do if your daughter voted differently from you? What if your daughter, or even your wife, or your other two new daughters? Good lord, there's a lot of stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, how would you feel if they voted differently? Do you anticipate that that's something that that could happen? You know, do you and your wife uh, see eye to eye politically? Uh, yeah, my wife and I see uh, see pretty eye to eye politically, um, and. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, mainly because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, it's, there's going to be four more presidential terms between now and yeah. when my daughter is able to vote. Um, but, uh, well, uh, climate change will get us before then anyway, so it's fine. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. but um, I guess when it comes down to it, <laughs> what I hope in myself, and I say this for just about everything, and again, I have no idea if this will be the case, I hope it will is that if my daughter believes in something strongly and truly believes that it will make her life better, whether that's a vote, whether that is how she feels about herself, how she identifies, who she loves, like whatever it is, I hope that even if it is not something with which I agree, it is something that I could support. Mm, Now, I will certainly not stand idly by um and not disagree with her um so if my daughter and i decided to differ substantially politically let's say and vote differently i would not be silent about it um and but i would certainly not dissuade her from voting for whom she believes is right um and so if i'll go back to what the very first thing that i said which was I was very conscious about signing people up to vote. I didn't say for whom. Um, I just said vote. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so um, in that standpoint, you know, as a, as you mentioned, dad of soon to be three daughters, um, I would like to think that just based on the general progress of women's rights um, in the world as it is, although, as you mentioned earlier, we've taken a few steps back recently um, as a society and around the world. So hopefully we can get that righted relatively soon. Um, I would assume that we would be relatively similar in that um, because I am a self-described feminist um, in that way. Um, but you never know. Um, and I hope that also there would be enough comfort, uh, in my home that my children would feel the ability to express themselves honestly in that Mm. way. Again, Mm. I, that's, I say that sitting here with a two and a bit year old and impending twins as an idealist, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen between now and then. Um, but I, I, I would like to hope that. That is what I would want from myself. Yeah. Hopefully it happens. I hear that. You know, I hear that. I think 
I think something that I've always hoped to emphasize is is the process, you know, more than a side of the process. You know, sure. like you say, signing up to vote, not to vote for somebody that, you know, I hope that my daughter, you know, uh, respects and values the democracy that she's in and, and wants to be a part of voting. And I hope that she just sees the value in it simply by, you know, tagging along with us, you know, coming with us to vote, seeing me and my wife talk about it and, you know, go, you know, my wife and I quite genuinely, you know, sat down and went through every single uh, party and every single candidate in our, obviously not the Bloc Québécois because they don't run a candidate in our area, um, but, uh, you know, go through all the parties and all the candidates and decide together. And I would hope that my daughter is a part of that process, whoever she decides to vote for. What I do worry a little bit, Christian, uh, about, and this is something that maybe I shouldn't worry about it. Maybe I'm wrong to think this way. You know, listeners, if you feel differently, let me know. I'm a dad joke loading podcast at gmail.com <laughs> at dad joke loading on Twitter. Um, the, you know, I'm, I'm a moderate. So, you know, whether regardless of the side on an issue um, that I'm taking, it is unlikely to be far to the extreme of any political poll. And I don't know how I would react if my daughter was radical on either side, in, in any direction, you know, but more extreme rather than moderate. I don't know. I, I want to think that as a loving and respecting dad, I would respect and love her for what she thought. But there, I feel like there would always be a piece of me that would want to argue the opposite of whatever of whatever radical position she decided to take, regardless of what it was. You know, if she, if, you know, if you know, pick your extremes of the political spectrum, fascism, communism, whatever it is, you know, if she were to be extreme, 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 um, how would I respond to that? And I genuinely don't know. And that's my introspection for the day. Yeah, no, that's, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a very, um, well, e extremism in any form, regardless of what it is, I think is dangerous. Um, just because I think it is a tunnel visioned view of something that has a lot of other consequences that go unforetold, right? Like you can mm -hmm. zoom down a rabbit hole fairly quickly into some extreme thoughts, not really thinking of the consequences. Um, and I would argue like most extremists like don't really see the after effect of like what they're trying to achieve, right? Like that's kind of why they're called extremists. But um what I will say, though, is 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 the one thing that I hope uh, will never happen is that it will never become an issue that would divide me from my children. Yeah. In in and not meaning that like if we voted differently, more so just like if there was no even like common ground that we could even be civil or cordial about it that it meant that much um yeah uh disdain for those types of things because um i will say i have people relatively close to me um with whom they are now as a result of the past couple elections basically estranged from their families wow. um because their parents voted so differently from them and have and now are i mean essentially maybe not extremists but are very trenched in their belief um mm. that there is just no conversation to be had with them 
um and that has spilled over to many and that's spilled in over into many topics of you know that aren't political because because like you mentioned especially in the united states it's become part of your social identity and now the and now these people basically don't go to family reunions anymore because they basically are embarrassed of what their families have become and basically don't talk to their parents because they are so different from them now that it's become an us or them mentality, um, which is unfortunately what the United States has become. Right. Right. It is such a shame. It is absolutely such a shame because it should be about the conversation. It shouldn't be about your social identity. It shouldn't be how you define yourself. You know, a, a, a political conversation should exist right there in the vacuum for the election. You have your conversation, you cast your vote, you believe in the democratic process and you move on. You know, you don't hate other people for casting their vote within the democratic process because then then it's not democracy, you know? Then it's not democracy, have- right. And and what I hope to instill in my daughter is a love of the conversation and be willing and comfortable to talk about political ideas and to have an opinion and to debate it and to see the merits of either side um, without branding either themselves or somebody else with uh, an identity centered around um, that politics. Well, what I think is, like I said, I think the bottom line, which is where I'll end my uh, opinions on this particular segment, is as long as my children are informed and educated about the process um, and the concept, I think that is what's most important. Mm. Which bubble they circle in at the end of the day, while we may not agree, is up to them. Um, But as long as they are informed um, and educated properly, um, and objectively about the process, I think that is by far the most crucial aspect because that is what's missing. Mm. That is what, is what miss, is missing in democracy in the Western hemisphere these days because, uh, like you said, it's become a social identity, not a true informed, educated view. Um, it's basically become this like, oh, like us or them or single issue voting or, you know, this, that, and the, like it's become something that it's not supposed to be. Um, and I think that's why voter turnout is probably the lowest it's ever been is because people just don't bother to get informed um, or educate themselves. Um, and so then they just, that's where the apathy creeps in. Hmm. Well said, well said, Christian. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to end it. All I will say is my friends, Canadians, if you're out there listening, and Americans who are listening when this comes up again in three more years, please, 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 no matter who you vote for, just go out and vote. Believe in the democratic process, read about who you're voting for, and um, have yourself counted. I have myself counted, and I requested a mail-in ballot and sent it back in for this particular election. So Canadians, I'm calling you out. If I'm going to do that, Having not been in Canada for the past 18 months due to a global pandemic, you can go get counted. So make sure you cast your vote. Go out and vote, my friends. Well, we will be back after these messages. I'm Chris, he's Christian, and we are Dad Joke Loading. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris. He is Christian. We have had a fantastic time 
talking to you again, once again this week, from both sides of the border about all things uh, fatherhood and life. So we are going to close out with a brand new recurring segment, a recurring segment we've never done before. This is Dads on Safari. So as you might know, Christian, uh, my good friend here, is a veterinarian. I also happen to be a veterinarian. Our wives happen to be veterinarians. We love animals very, very much, and we hope that our daughters love animals. And so uh, fairly recently, my wife and I took our daughter to the beautiful Toronto Zoo, fantastic uh, nonprofit organization. I believe they really do a good job. Um, If you feel strongly, write in about it, because we'd love to have that conversation as well. Um, But we brought our daughter to the zoo, and um, we saw all kinds of wonderful and beautiful animals in their little family environments, lots of little uh, animals running around, lots of little kids running around. One of the moon the glass of the of the baboons that was uh, that was a little bit of a odd thing um no that kid needs major props that is that is a moment where like in public i would uh have a scolding teaching moment and in private would give that child the highest of fives <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um so what got me thinking about animal fatherhood so what we're going to be showcasing in this brand new segment dads on safari is sort of weird and wild stuff of fatherhood from around the animal world so this week we're going to talk about one of the absolute classics of uh, sort of odd fatherhood in the animal kingdom, and that is the seahorse, also called the super dad of the sea. So what's unique about seahorses, Christian, is that um, unlike all other, um, or the vast majority of, of other species, there's some other odd things like parthenogenesis that we'll get into in other episodes. Um, in seahorses, the female fertilizes the male. And I, so you're probably sitting there being like, okay, well, what, you know, what defines the male? What defines the female? Well, what defines the male is the presence of the XY chromosome and the production of sperm. And what defines the female is the, produ- is the XX chromosome and the production of uh, the egg for the purposes of reproduction in this context. Um, so what happens is the female deposits her eggs, unfertilized eggs, into the male where the male then fertilizes those eggs inside his pouch. Um, In there, anywhere from like five to 2,000 little um, uh, seahorses begin developing, depending on the species, depending on the the success and and, um, environment and a lot of other factors. And then from there, only a very, very small handful will go on to become uh, adult seahorses. But the father gets pregnant. So the father carries around the brood of young seahorses in his pouch, which is extremely, extremely unique in the animal kingdom. So Christian, it got me thinking, you know, you're having, uh, you're expecting twins. Um, How on earth would you feel if you were pregnant with twins? Like how on earth, like I can barely get my ass out of bed to pour a coffee in the morning. How would you carry two kids around? Poorly. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that's about all I have to add about the seahorse. Um, but they are absolutely fascinating. And simply the fact that the father carries around the offspring, I think, is such a fascinating thing. And we're going to highlight lots of uh, dads doing it differently uh, throughout the animal kingdom on this segment. Well, what do you think, Christian? How's your week been? It has been good. Um, I will admit, I am a little bit tired today. 
Um, but that is nothing fatherhood related. That is because just prior to us recording, um, I got my butt on the Peloton and well got it kicked for you. by said Peloton. Uh, so uh, a little bit wary for that. But otherwise, um, cannot complain. How have you been? Good. My head went right to the doctor, like a Dr. Zeus style Peloton with like, uh, like a disembodied kind of foot hanging at the back, just like kicking you in the ass as you pedal. <laughs> as you pedal, it turns the wheel that continually spins the boot that just kicks you in the butt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Uh, I love that. No, my friend, I've had a good day and another great episode this week talking yes, to you. Always um, fun. It's such a blast. And Christian, I'm looking forward to doing it again next week. So listeners, thank you for joining us. This is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Uh, hit us up at dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Also, at, at dadjokeloading on Twitter. Um, Christian, what's our Instagram handle again? Hit me up with that. At dadjokeloadingpodcast. At dadjokeloadingpodcast. Thank you. I, I never know where to put the, the at symbols these days, where all the, all the utes are putting them. So thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you again next week. Have hey, a good one. Hey, Chris. Yeah, what's up? What do you call the owner of Old McDonald's Farm? <laughs> hmm. uh, no, I don't know. What do you call the owner of Old McDonald's Farm? The C-I-E-I-O. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dad Jokers. We'll catch you next week. Hey!